Hello. Welcome to the porch here on a Monday morning college football reactionary hour here. Close to hour here with CJ. What a weekend of college football. The remote was getting a workout at noon. If you're anything like myself, um, what, a, what a weekend though of college football. Uh, if you had Florida and LSU giving up a ton of points and losing in the noon hour, North Carolina was putting up damn near 60 on the board against V-Team. Uh, those were great games. We'll lead it off, though, with the lane train and uh, how he did, a, how he kind of gave Alabama everything they wanted a little bit more in a 63-48 to 48 loss there in Oxford on Saturday night. The Grove may have been may have been a little emptier than normal, but, man, it was electric on the field. I mean, Nick Saban going nuclear on his defensive coordinator, score for score. Most most points or most yards, I believe, in an SEC game ever. If it wasn't, it was in the top four for sure. Uh, you got to give Arkansas some credit, too. They seem to be a team that's coming on and playing pretty well and, and how they defeated Auburn. We'll talk about that as well. A lot of points in the SEC, and I don't know if that's a trend that's going to continue or if just it was a, a week three type of thing where the offenses had a few things to look at on the defense. We're also going to start the top of the conversation uh, with the OU-Texas Red River rivalry and how exciting that four-overtime thriller was there on Saturday and where it leaves both teams moving forward and how the Big 12 kind of looks. Uh, and, in, and in closing today, we're going to talk about Miami uh, going into Clemson in that game day showdown and how the number one team in the nation looked there and why there was a game in, in prime time that Conference USA had all three of them and they picked the team that's not even the best in the league to showcase and couldn't find it anywhere, but how dominant the herd was over WKU. And that'll close out the program for us. So, hey, you guys, if it's in the morning, you know what to do. Grab the coffee, fill stout. Or if it's in the evening, grab that drink. And when you come back, we're going to continue to talk a little more college football here on the porch. What's going on there, brother? Hey, 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 what's going on, man? Ah, hanging in there, man. It's a good morning. Feels feels like uh, football out here, crisp, you know. Got a little coffee. Uh, just just reflect on the weekend it was, brother. I don't know about you. How about you? Yeah. Um, probably a couple of cups for me. Um, kind of sitting back, you know, looking at looking at the weekend that we had. It was a man. Good bunch weekend, of good college football. It was. Uh, celebrated a. NBA championship last night, so yeah, I'm oh, I'm feeling God. pretty good. Well, hey, <laughs> you you and you and the rest of the front running Laker Yankee Yankee lovers as well. Um, <laughs> on that note, brother, will because I don't want to spend any more time talking about that than we need to. Um, hey, but you know what? Congrats to the Lakers, and and uh, more importantly, congrats to the Rays on Friday night. But um, let's uh <sighs> let's kind of dive into it there, CJ. Kind of first things first, though. Wanted to uh, give give those that that hung in there with us on Saturday till the end a little bit of a update on the uh, the pick em. Uh CJ, do you do you know what your record was this past weekend? I went two and three. You went two and three. Yes, you did, sir. <laughs> the uh, hey, don't get me wrong. I had Florida with you on on you know didn't have it on our on our little pick em draft there, but I I thought Florida was going to take it out on A and M, and they they had opportunities to and didn't didn't finish. <clears throat> Some turnovers hurt them. You were right on on the Big 12, though, bud. Um, and then you probably should have not crushed your own soul with the Hokies. 
what was the final in that Texas State game? I know you were tech to seven there with Spavadol and, and crew. Uh, yeah, that didn't that... as bad as it was originally at some points in times in that game. Yeah, that game was was pretty hideous. Um, that it was thirty seven seventeen. Yeah, yeah. Need a little more help to get back up into that barn there to um, yeah. cover that. I uh, I had Marshall minus the seven, which that was uh, wasn't in doubt for very long. I think with about the middle of the first quarter, you kind of started feeling good about that. Oh yeah, uh, Georgia minus yeah over. <laughs> yeah, they they had total domination, and we'll get back to that here in a little bit. Um, Georgia minus the twelve was was pretty good, although had some nervous moments there early on, especially um, Iowa State minus the eleven. Cha-ching. looked pretty, looked pretty uh, solid the whole way through. Um, my lone loss, Auburn. Whew, we'll we'll get into that here a little bit later on. Um, and then, man, and I know, uh, you know, you can give me you can give me whatever crap you want to for being a homer pick, but Ole Miss plus the twenty four was a uh, was a strong, strong fifth selection there on on uh, for Saturday. Yeah, well, you know, I think we had agreed that that was that was a pretty large number. Um, to but have most people would have taken Bama, though. Yeah, like I, I, I had Bama to win that. I just that was a <clears throat> that felt like way too big of a number. Even I, I don't think we thought we'd get to it the way we got to it, with it being kind of a back and forth affair. Maybe you thought Ole Miss <laughs> would kind of sneak in the back door of that twenty-four, but. Hey, give 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 the rebels a ton of credit, hottie toddy. They uh they put on a show there for the nation on Saturday night along with Bama, and uh, big questions about Bama now heading into uh, the showdown with Georgia this weekend. <clears throat> yeah, that one's gonna be that was gonna be really interesting to watch. Um, and my big takeaway from from that game in particular was I, you knew Lane was gonna be creative. Um, Ole Miss always kind of seems to be creative offensively was just how bad Bama's defense looked like I don't know the last time I've seen a saving defense look that unprepared um I mean you know there is something that seems to happen down there in Oxford when Bama goes down there and plays early in the season you know it it feels like early on in, in the season a lot of times Ole Miss seems to have a little bit of an elixir there to get on Bama. And I think the, the question being moving forward is, yeah, you love Sertain back there in that, in that tied secondary, but besides him, it's a lot of youth. And, uh, you know, we talked about earlier why we love the over in that game, but man, I mean, it's, it is, uh, it's, it's a scary proposition to think that Bama is going to have to try and win this thing, winning games like that every weekend. I just don't think in this league they can do it. <laughs> Yeah, but the, but the one thing I did notice, though, about them that I took away from them is this isn't a Nick Saban team that's prior to not been real fond of getting into shootouts. And I don't think – They're he, okay with it, though. I, I think he's okay with it. I don't think he's come to fully grasp or love it. Yeah. But I think he feels confident enough and, uh, hey, you know what, if we got to put up 50-60, we'll just go do that. We'll do it. Well, I mean, hell, when Mac Jones throws for 417 yards – 28 of 32, two touchdowns. I mean, that's pretty good. Oh, no, but but your running back, Najee Harris, 206 and five touchdowns on the ground. I mean, that's pretty electric. Corral threw for 365 and two touchdowns, only completed seven passes. And then Snoop Connor uh, for Ole Miss, 
had 128 yards, two touchdowns. Um, I mean, Ole Miss was able to kind of it, – it's wild to me how well Ole Miss was able to do offensively. They had two rushers of 120 yards. Ely ran it for 120 on 19 carries and had two touchdowns. They had two receivers that both caught, had over 140 yards. Your boy, uh, Kenny, your boy <laughs> – that's, that's literally how you pronounce his last name. Um, your boy had 181 with seven, seven catches, two touchdowns, and then Elijah Moore, 11 for 143. Ole Miss is going to give people problems the rest of the year. Bama defensively is going to have to get it together if they want to win big time. Because, simply put, you're not going to – Clemson's not going to give up that many points. Georgia's not going to give up that many points. And I don't think you're going to be able to – and I don't think know if your defense is going to be that much better even against those types of offenses either, CJ. Yeah, I mean, they defensively did not – did not look good at all. Not impressed. No. Um, well, it, it was a common theme in the SEC this weekend, really. If you if you get back to it, think about it. I mean, yeah. Florida gives up forty one, losing to A and M. Wow, that was crazy. Um, and then you also think about, I mean, even a vaunted defense like Georgia gave up close to thirty on Tennessee. Granted, they a lot of those were in the first half, but just some questions about some teams defensively around the country, especially in that SEC heading into their week four now. Yeah, um, yeah, and I don't know if maybe this is just a week where you got to give tip your hat, you know, offensively or or what. But yeah, there were there were some teams out there that you would think defensively would have had a better better showing than they did, and just hey, didn't show up for whatever reason. Who says the Big Twelve doesn't play defense? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it went to four overtimes in that Texas and Oklahoma game, and we still didn't get as many points as we got in Oxford on Saturday. So true. Hey, you know, and then Iowa State looked locked down defensively against Tech, and then you had, you know, the job in that the, the all-purple battle there uh, between K-State and TCU. See, do you got any more big takeaways before we kind of start chronologically kind of rolling through it here a little bit and talking about our experiences watching it? You know, what, what game had your eye? What, which, which, which time slot were you really working that remote harder than others, that type of thing? Um, yeah, I was really working it hard in that noon slot. Um, Mm-hmm. Just because there was a lot going on, you know, obviously. Yeah, let's go ahead and get there. Then. Yeah, I mean, I started out with my boys there at Liberty, but, you know, kind of quicked out of that one because they were pretty in firm control of that one. Um, Once they blocked that punt, CJ, and I think they were up what, at that point in time 31 to nothing. Yeah. It was kind of like, okay, this one's in the bag. Let's move on to other – let's let's see what else is out there for us to consume. Yeah, and I had kind of been flipping out of that one back and forth um, with, you know, with obviously Oklahoma-Texas. Um, I love that game. Um, just because it is a Red River rivalry and it usually has the fair and all the stuff that goes with it, um, which makes it a pretty cool game to watch. Um, and there were some fans there. It, it was, yeah. it felt like a pretty decent little crowd. Yeah, I mean, there, there, it was a, it was fun, entertaining game. For no, sure. it, yeah, I mean, it definitely was. Um, you could, you could feel that desperation, especially on the Oklahoma side. And I think on the Texas side too, during that game, you could kind of feel both teams knew, wow, we, this is a big game. We've got to get this thing. If we want to, if we want to make some noise this season, and uh, the the, the post game press conference with Ellinger said it all when they asked him for kind of a message for Longhorn Nation, and he sat there for probably it had to have been more than thirty seconds and had nothing to say. Um, he's the only reason they were in the game at the end, his ability to run the football. But man, what a tough loss for them to take. Yeah, that 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 one's gonna sting. Um... Yeah, I don't – yeah, and that's 
and it was really kind of funny because all throughout social media, man, they had the clip of Ellinger, we back. And then right beside it was the photo of him just standing there with this blank expression on his face. And I'm like, all right, that's a little cold. Mm-hmm. It's funny, but that's a little cold. Um, well, I mean, you know, I, I don't know, CJ, about you, but <clears throat> I think most people kind of thought, eh, Oklahoma's got this thing in regulation. And I just had a weird feeling Texas just kind of kept kept doing enough. And then the interference penalty, which a lot of people didn't like there toward the end of the game, I, I personally thought it was a good call. He did hold down the receiver's yeah, arm. I, I, a lot of people didn't love it. Yeah, he did. He I did, did hold, I get why the, they called hold it. the arm down. Yeah. My question is, is even if he doesn't, I don't know. That ball's way out front. I That one to me – yeah, it it's not egregious, and let's you know, I mean, because there was contact. He did hold the arm. Um, my my thought is, I looked at it. I'm like, I just I don't know even without that if it's if it's catchable. But yeah, hey, you give Oklahoma a lot of credit though too in this game. I mean, you were up 31 to 17 heading to the fourth quarter. You had this lead 31 17 with what less than five minutes to go before Texas goes on that drive to finally get a touchdown to get within seven. Then they get the ball back. They score. Okay, you missed an extra, you missed a field goal in the third overtime, and after you should have had it one when you kick it on second down, which was a which was a curious decision to begin with. You you get the pick in the fourth overtime. A great play. Um, after you went for two and got it. I mean, there's I mean, a great great stand up job by Oklahoma. I don't know if that's if this is the type of win that catapults them to save the rest of their season, but. They definitely need to use this as a building block to try and keep moving forward and get better. That's yeah, really I, sure. yeah, I'm with you. I don't know if it's a it's a catapult type of win, um, but it's definitely one that I think, if if nothing else, what I think for Lincoln Riley, what it does is um, is it shows his guys, hey, you know, persevere, good things happen. And the other thing is, is he benched, you know, Spencer Rattler, and kind of got his attention. And I agree. I think and you did I get think for for them in that case is you come out of this going okay, yeah, probably not the way we had this scripted or wanted this to go, um, but now he's kind of got the attention of his of his quarterback going forward. It's just gonna be interesting to kind of see how they handle the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean the next couple of weeks for them they have a bye, then they've got a, a date with uh, on the road against TCU, and then and then they go on the road to Lubbock. Uh, to take on the the Red Raiders, they have a uh, home dates then with Kansas and Oklahoma in the month of November, a bye week in between those two games, before they finish it off with a uh, a road test in Morgantown, and then a home game with Baylor. So, I mean, it's funny to th- think it and say, well, man, they're two and two, but I mean, there's only you know so many more opportunities left to go, and um, Oklahoma's still still in the thick of the Big Twelve race. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to count them out of it yet till they officially got that third loss. Um, granted, they have two, and it's a long way to go, especially with a lot of teams that they've lost to at the top of the standings. But until they get that third one, CJ, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting a uh, RIP on the uh, 2020 no, quite uh, yet. No, because they're definitely, you know, still, still alive in that race. Um, you know, because like you said, there's still, still a lot of season left to go. I mean, they, you know, essentially, if you, if they run the table, they're going to be staring right there at a, at a potentially another matchup there with Texas. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, Texas has a, a bye week as well. Baylor, Oklahoma State, and then West Virginia and Kansas um, before they take on Iowa State on the Friday after Thanksgiving. So Texas is still there too. Both teams are kind of 
still floating in that in that kind of auspicious area here in the Big 12. And by the way, CJ, pretty cool that um, the young man who catches the football to win it for the Sooners, old Bottoms yeah. kid, Drake Stoops. What a great little route he ran there and a great throw and uh, a great ending to that to that football game. Then there was oh, yeah, the and the interception in the too. Well, of course, there's a Stoops involved in this game. <laughs> it just has to yeah. be. Hey, man, it has to be. It has to be. Um, we, we could talk on the Red River rivalry for a long time, a lot longer too here, CJ, but let's kind of jump into the other games at noon. I was really locking on this Florida A&M game, as I'm sure you were, as you went 0-1 in your, uh, in the, in the draft, uh, the lock draft there with that one. I mean, what happened exactly there to, to Florida in this football game? They kind of had it under control for a little bit. And then all of a sudden A&M fired up and, and got after him. A couple fumbles hurt Florida for sure in that football game. Um, but that defense has been a question mark all year, and I think it kind of proved to be a question mark again on Saturday. Yeah, it was It was kind of a funky game. This one I was keyed in on. This one I ended up really kind of flipping back and forth with on another game that we're probably going to get to here in a minute. Um, you know, you got to give A&M a bunch of credit. Uh, Kellen Mon came out, played extremely well. Um, you know, Isaiah Spiller, the running back there for Texas A&M, had a big day. Um it just it seemed like I don't know. It almost kind of seemed like Florida. We had talked at the end, you know, maybe a potential trap game with LSU coming up. Like, where were they mentally going to be? Um, I think you're right about that. Yeah, trap potential there. I you think know, they it kind of was, and I think especially once they kind of got the lead in that game, it kind of they. I'm not going to say they felt like they were they were there already, but it, it kind of uh, you sort of got that feeling, right? From Florida when they were – when they took – I don't know, though. Then again, though, it was kind of nip and tuck yeah, the whole way. it was, I mean, and they scored on, on like a 37-yard pass there in the third quarter to go up 28-17, and that was when I kind of was like, okay, this is – okay, mm-hmm. here we go. Then now we're going to see – But then A&M just had it from there. And you know what? I was impressed with A&M toward the end of that half, the way they moved the football. Kellen Mond had control of that offense, and it didn't feel like Florida had many answers for him. And it continued to be that way in the second half of that football. No, I'm definitely with you on that. Um, you know, A&M showed a ton of a, you know, a, a, a ton of guts, um, a ton of mental toughness um, to never really fold on that thing. Um, they didn't. It it didn't feel like they were intimidated at all um, by Florida. No, not um, at all. You know, and if you're Dan Mullen of Florida, hey, you know, this is a great teaching moment for him and this and his kids and this program of hey guys. You spent the last two weeks getting patted on the back. Oh, we're back. You know, boys, we ate. This is a really, mm-hmm. you know, I think if you're Dan Mullen, this comes at a really nice time. It's early in the season. Kind of re-get his guys' attention and focus. Um, you. Yeah. You know, and for Because the reality of it is if you still beat Georgia, you're still more than likely going to be the champ in the East. And, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, CJ. It, it allows them to regroup, get a little bit better. They're going to have to get better on the yeah, run defense, too. I mean, they gave it 205 yards on the ground, an average of 5.4 per pop to A&M. Uh, I mean, Spiller, like you said, had 174 yards and two touchdowns. Goes along with Mond, who only completed 10 passes, 338 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, that offense was humming, and that's a big-time win for Jimbo. He needed a win. Yeah, no, it's a huge win for Jimbo. Um, I think it kind of quiets some of the you know people, quite frankly, like me. Um, who were starting to really kind of question him, um, gives him a little bit of mm-hmm. breathing room there. And he gives this program and this team kind of a, 
a nice little kick. Like, okay, we we can compete. Yeah. We aren't, you know, that team from week one that that we struggled are on with level. Vandy yeah. who got their doors blown off Saturday. So, I, I yeah, I yeah. think that that's a big win for them in that program. Kind of catapults them forward a little bit. Now, what you can't do is squander it when you go and play Mississippi State next week. Exactly. Yeah, and you know what? Though? I'll say this. I mean, and maybe this is uh, a little ahead of, maybe a little bit ahead of where we want to be on this. But Mississippi State, you got a, all you got was a safety. You got one bucket against Kentucky. I mean, Coach Calipari would have been pleased with that defense. Um, there's something. Something. I'm not going to say wrong, Mississippi State, but you're trying to put square pegs in around holes right now. And it worked brilliantly against LSU because it appears LSU's defense is about as resistant as a wet paper bag um, right now at this point in the season. So a lot of questions about Mississippi State yeah. moving forward too, yeah. but a good opportunity for A&M, but also one you can't squander now. I mean, because now if you lose that coming back off of this win, it's like mm, same old Jimbo, mm-hmm. same old Aggies. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm you can't, definitely you can't with you. you know, and you brought up an interesting point about Mississippi State. You know what it kind of reminds me of watching them play? Remember Rich's first year at WVU? Weren't his? Oh yeah, you have some talent. You can see there's talent there, but yet it's just not. Well, it's fully not fully working together, together, and it's not necessarily the players for his system. You know, he wanted to kind of spread yeah. you out yeah. and be up tempo. Neilan didn't recruit that way. That's not how they played. So it was kind of like, I want to implement my system, but it's I don't go. really have the kit. Like, so you're trying to find that balance a little bit, and that's kind of what it looks like with Mississippi State right now. Like, Leach is looking around, going, "Okay, well, I got my trigger man, but I got nothing else." And he's trying yeah. to find and, it. And, I mean, and yeah, and you have you have Talon Hill, but yet he's been battling injury, so it's it's not your one your one big time skill position player who can make a big difference for you is not out there. Um, CJ, one quick thing before we touch on other games, where would you say Texas A and M would be ranked coming off this week? I don't you know already. Um, give me give me give me a, give me a uh, let me give you a number, and if you say too high or too low. 15th. You know what? As I'm thinking about it, that to me that feels kind of right on it. And it's not where they have them at. They have them 11th, CJ. 11th. Big jump. Um, Yeah, huge jump. Seems a little high. I would would have been with you. Yeah, I'd have put them 14, 15, Um, 16, somewhere in there. You definitely give them a nice bump for the win, but man, that feels 10 10 spots. That's a a big jump. Yeah, and you know what? Real one other quick thing on A and M. They've got Mississippi State, Arkansas, and South Carolina coming up next three weeks before they have a date where they go to Knoxville on November fourteenth. Very likely, I could see them winning all three of those games and being five and one head, five and one heading into that game. So, um, you know, the Aggies are the Aggies are coming in for Florida. Kyle Trask and those guys are still playing well. Just got to improve on the defense side of the football. Won't be the last we hear from Florida this season. That's for no, sure. definitely, definitely won't be. Um, they've like you know they only fell it looks like to ten. So I mean you know you still got yeah you're they're still in the mix. You're in the SEC. You can lose. You can lose at least at least twice before you're knocked out of the playoff picture. And if you win the SEC East somehow and still win the SEC, you could probably even maybe lose twice. And maybe with the way that people perceive the Big Twelve, still have a chance. Yeah, this no, year, I'm, I'm with you. So I mean, if you're Florida, you still got your whole season ahead of you. Um, and if you're A and M now, it's now grab the opportunity by the horns and and don't don't come out and lay an egg. Um, now CJ, yeah. Speaking of don't come out and lay an egg, let's talk about the defending national champions who we can I think officially go ahead and throw them out of the mix for the season. Forty five forty one loss at Missouri, a home game they got moved due to the hurricane. 
But, man, this LSU defense is terrible. Um, and now they're one and two, and they're out of the polls. Um, I mean, they better hold them Tigers a little bit harder than they've been holding them here lately, and they better throw a lot of pepper in that gumbo um, if they're going to get any better uh, moving forward this year. What a big win for uh, for Elijah Dirkowicz and uh, Missouri, though, in his first year. Yeah, I mean, they showed a, a, a ton of fight, and I'm with you. Like, <sighs> defensively, LSU looked awful. I mean, let's, let's just – yeah, you know, we'll call it how it is. I mean, it's yeah. You're searching for words, man. Now, you know what it is? They were a a dumpster fire, baby diaper July. You know, fire of trash defensively. I mean, it's it's about as bad as it gets on that side of the ball. When Missouri's putting up 45 on you, you've yeah, got some and, issues. I mean, yeah, and, there's just you no know, getting I'd around like to it. Ask the question, you know, how much did moving this game, you know, maybe. Play a factor into it, but here's here's the reality. Even yeah, you still, you still can't, can't give up forty five Missouri. Missouri, who may go the entire rest of the season and not score forty five combined. <laughs> oh no, I, I think they're I think they're getting better there. I mean, that Baselet kid threw for four oh six and four touchdowns. He was pretty good. I mean, Brennan threw for four thirty and four, so the ball was in the air all day Saturday. But my my thing on it is. LSU, you're winning this game heading to the fourth quarter, 41 to 38. You made a 58 yarder, or excuse me, a 51 yarder as time expired in the in the third quarter. Where's your offense in the fourth quarter? You score 41 points through three quarters, and then somehow you can't find a way to score one touchdown in the fourth. You don't even. I mean, that's that makes it difficult. Yeah, it, that's really difficult. that was a um, that's a tough one. Um, you know, and I, you know me, I I, I like Ed Orgeron. I do. Um, I've never thought of him as a great head coach. Um, fantastic football coach. Just as a head coach, I've always kind of had my reservations. This season, for me personally, for him, is not going to be an, an indictment on him as a coach. Like, you can't lose what they did no. and expect to come out and contend again. Like, it's just so hard. Here's my – oh, yeah. And, CJ, I think you have a good point on that. It's not an indictment on him. I think they're they're going to struggle a little bit early still, and maybe struggle this season in general before next year getting it back together. They go next week into the swamp, like we've talked about. That's going to be tough. Then they have South Carolina at home. Auburn looks a little more winnable for them for the host Alabama. Um, I mean, this. I mean, I hope LSU is not one of those teams that kind of just struggles and you know is is so bad. We talk about how bad they are every week, but it's a possibility. Um, CJ, I know another game at noon that we definitely want to hit on here real quick, a couple of them. Um, I want to have a real quick note on on this one. How about the don't turn you back on the Wolfpack, NC State, going into Virginia and dominating that football game versus the uh, versus the Cavaliers? Had a weird feeling about that. And NC State, that offense is humming a little bit. And I think they're a dangerous team in the ACC. Leary looks good. Bam Knight runs the football hard. They, I'm going to say this right now, I just don't think – I don't think they're a team that you're going to sleep on. They forced four turnovers from Virginia. I don't know how much of that you watched, but I uh, was very impressed and very pleased that the uh, the Wolfpack got that win as a dog, at least for myself in terms of my wife. Yeah, no, I mean, that was that was impressive uh, for NC State to come out, um, you know, played, you know, extremely well. Um, you know, it's – I have been impressed with them. Um, it is kind of weird to think about, though. They are three and one and are dead even in point differential. Like, it's weird. Um, 
I mean, hey, Dave Dorn's it a is, but it almost coach, has this. Hey, you, you took one on the chin. You yeah, took one on the which, chin, a big one on the chin. Yeah, but it, and that's okay. Yeah, I don't know. You know? Um, but this team shows a ton of fight and a ton of scrap. If you're NC State, I mean, you're sitting pretty. I mean, you are right there in the hunt for the ACC. Um, you know, I mean, quite frankly, you're sitting up there. I don't think where anybody would have thought you would have been, you know, where it's Clemson, North Carolina, Notre Dame, and then you. Like, you're fourth in the standings. I don't know. I think if you'd have, I think if you'd have told NC State fans, Hey, four weeks in, you're going to be three and one. You're going to be mm-hmm. sitting perfectly. You are going to be they'd in the mix it. for this thing. I think they'd have jumped all over it. Yeah. And and they've got a game with Duke this Saturday. Uh, good opportunity to win that. Although they're only a four-point favorite at home against Duke, CJ. I know we're jumping the gun on our lines here that we typically do, but I mean <laughs> – uh, that might that might find its way into my draft. Well, you better get for on that me, quick. that one. Um, and then and then they and then they and then they go to Chapel right. Hill the following this, week. Which this really this cool. one here for NC State Duke. This one we talk about it like when you look at a schedule. Where's that potential trap game? The, yeah, I don't think it would have been early on in the season, just because. Well, quite frankly, I didn't expect NC State to be three and one and in the mix. But now you're looking at it. You got North mm-hmm. Carolina the week after. You know, a team that's ahead of you in the standings. It's a big rivalry game. Yep, yep. It, does does this Duke game now? Do you get caught looking ahead a little bit and and trip yourself up after what and ruin what you started? Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, Duke got the win over Syracuse, so they're they're firing off high. They're looking good. Um, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I really like the way NC State's playing football. CJ, I think they're going to get it done. Speaking of Virginia Tech, who North Carolina State lost to, and North Carolina an opponent they have in a couple weeks. What a game that was, and a game that was unexpected. I thought this was going to be more of a race to 30 type game, but it ended up being a race to freaking 60 almost, essentially. Um, what were your thoughts on how well North Carolina No, I was very impressed. And the one thing I was actually really impressed with out of the whole thing when you come away with it, and we had talked about it going into, into this one, was the offensive line for North Carolina, right? You know, you know. They did. I mean, exactly. we had talked they about they good. had been leaky. They only gave up one sack. Um, they were, you know, fantastic in the run game. You know, Carter goes for two fourteen. Um, has a phenomenal game. They got uh, the Williams kid who goes what for like a buck sixty nine. I think it was. You know, like that. That yeah. was kind of. I mean, those two guys outgained Herbert themselves, and we thought Virginia Tech was going to run the ball. Or at least has yeah. the possibility to run so, the ball pretty no, well. I was I was thoroughly thoroughly impressed with North Carolina offensively, especially that offensive line. I thought their offensive line came out and they had that nastiness to them. Um, they were not going to allow this thing to become about them and their inability to do their job. I mean, they ran for nine point three yards a pop, CJ. They ran for three hundred and ninety nine yards on the Hokies. Um, I mean, they rolled up 656 yards of total offense. Sam Howe, you know, was 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 solid on Saturday. It wasn't like he was bad. You know, 18 to 23, 257, three touchdowns, pretty damn efficient. I think the key, man, at least for Virginia Tech's purposes, is <clears throat> you, you had two quarterbacks. And what, what happens when you have two quarterbacks a lot of times? You don't have one quarterback. And I think that was a problem for them, too. Maybe the rhythm and the flow between Burmeister and Hooker just didn't work out for them, and they got behind the eight ball, and then Carolina yeah. was just able to kind of 
you know, salted away, like I mean, you they, said. And well, yeah, I mean, give they, the hope they credit. Back. They I mean, made they it more of a game right than they had it I thought they were going to. Score. Um, yeah. I think if you're Justin Fuentes, I think you found your guy. I think you've got – Hendon Hooker's got to be your guy going the rest of the way. Well, he was last year. I don't know why Burmeister got so many – so much love in that game either. I mean, I don't know if there was an injury situation I, that maybe we weren't aware of and, or, or maybe it was just the fact that he liked Burmeister. What do you think? I think there might have been some of that. And then, you know, I mean, obviously practices were different. You got to wonder if maybe injury or maybe just protocol stuff. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Hendon Hooker, mm-hmm. if you're Virginia Tech, has got to be your dude going forward because um, he – that offense looks a yeah. lot better with him in there. And I think some of that's the ability – well, yeah, and, and his he gave him a spark in the third quarter. You know into that, which has always kind of been what Justin Fuentes wants. He yeah. wants his quarterback to be a little more mobile. Um, so, but no, I mean, Tech showed a ton of fight just to get back in that thing, um, which, which was nice to see. Hey, but you know what else? You know what else? Two CJ, I'll say this though: give Carolina a lot of credit, and they're only up forty-two to thirty-seven. You know, after they were up forty-two to seventeen, after they scored a touchdown you know, pretty middle of the third quarter. Hokies, you know, are coming back in there. They've gotten 20 unanswered on you. And then you come out and you score. You kind of had the game back where you needed it to be. So I give North Carolina a lot of credit for kind of taking that punch but then punching right back. They're ranked now fifth in the country. Um, That's a dangerous team moving forward. I think it's a team that, you know, this coming Saturday – Goes to Tallahassee. Uh, I expect them to get that one done. They've got NC State, Virginia, Duke, Wake. I mean, you look at them, they don't have a, a game until the very end when they got Notre Dame and then uh, <clears throat> Miami in back-to-back weeks. Like, I don't expect Carolina to win that football game. I think they might lose before those two big ones at the end of the season, but I don't necessarily expect them to lose any games before then. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I, I'd expect them in – um, you know, you know, that game right there, Notre Dame, North Carolina on the on the twenty seventh of November. That one right there screams that one right there is gonna be whoever wins that is gonna go play Clemson. Oh, without without question. You know, um, that 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 one is although, setting man, up to be I, a I love the fact it's not a two division format though. I love the yeah, fact it's, it's not a two division They're doing format it like the big twelve top two go. Yep. I I like that. I like that a lot. Um CJ, I guess let's let's move into the three thirty time window, man, because the nooners were so good. And, I mean, give Carolina a lot of credit. I mean, I think that's a team that we both were a little skeptical on heading into the week, and maybe a lot of people were. I know Jamie was on Thursday when he joined me, um, was skeptical on Carolina. But, man, got to give them a lot of credit. They, they look, they're looking the part, um, especially offensively, so far this season. Um, CJ, the three thirty game that I think had the most hype, obviously, was Georgia-Tennessee. Um, and, you know, Tennessee kind of had them early on the ropes, um, but ended up – Ended up, uh, you know, not being able to deliver that knockout punch. And once Georgia got it rolling, Georgia got it rolling. There were some things that Georgia did in this game that were a little head-scratching. I know at the end of the half, not getting a field goal. Just some things in general that Georgia can improve upon big time. But I also think it was good to see Tennessee be that that competitive and that tough, at least in the first half. And proves that, that Pruitt is building things in the right direction there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was <clears> – <throat> Really impressed with, um, with what I saw out of Tennessee. Um, yeah, I, I still though wonder the only the only real question mark I have with Tennessee, and I've had it now for the last couple of years, and that's 
that's Jarrett Garnetano, and I don't want to bang on that kid because he's a fighter. I mean, he take yeah, he takes hits. He didn't have a great second half. You know, he right. takes hits. He keeps coming back from it, but I just I continue to watch them offensively with him, and I keep thinking, okay, how bad does the guy behind him have to be? It's a question, right? I mean, they win twenty-seven nothing in the second half. Uh, George does. It's like the Tennessee, the Tennessee not want to pull the plug. They feel like they're still going in the right direction with Quarantano. Or what was it? Because typically in that situation, you still have a chance and a kid's struggling that bad, you're going to pull the plug on him. I think one thing that, that I come away from this game pretty impressed with was I looked at the way Tennessee stopped the Georgia run game. Georgia ran the ball 50 times for only 193 yards. Three point out of pop. You know, that's not necessarily Georgia-like, and I give Tennessee a lot of credit for that, especially in the first half. I mean, Georgia didn't have much at all moving forward on the offensive side of the football. Um, and then Bennett, you know, he looked pretty solid. I think they've come to grips that he's their quarterback um, moving forward. I don't think there's much much question about it. The three turnovers for Tennessee hurt. The two for Georgia in the first half hurt. It was kind of sloppy at times uh, Saturday there between the hedges. Yeah, it was. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know, Bennett's got to be your guy um, going forward. He's looking really yeah. well. Um, didn't didn't seem to kind of get rattled, stayed with it. Um now, granted, now Georgia's inability to, to run the ball worries me a little bit, but then you kind of, not when they got Bama coming next. True, yeah. who would have ever thought you say that? True, <laughs> um, but I do think that is one thing. Maybe you do want to get get kind of worked out and and resolved. Make sure that's just kind of a one off thing. Um, a little, bit yeah, better. get a little bit yeah, better there. Sure. But you know, I mean, you got to have confidence in the fact you got a guy in Bennett who can step back and sling it. And, and, man, and you know, they've got good receivers in Jackson and, and uh, Pickens, and Georgia has a full complement of guys, and I expect them to continue to get better as we go. Let's hit on these two real quick here, CJ, before we get to the night games. Um, and that would be – I know you watched a lot of Texas San Antonio, BYU. I didn't get to catch as much of it. I was watching more Iowa State and Texas Tech. Let me tell one thing about Iowa State. That defense was fired up, ready to play on Saturday, looked great. Texas Tech got an early, early kind of a gift touchdown from Iowa State on a block punt, and then they kind of locked them down. Texas Tech got a late touchdown to make it look a little better at 31 to 15. Brock Purdy and Iowa State was in full control of that football game on Saturday from the get-go. And, man, I'll tell you this, Brees Hall was, was a man on a mission against that Red Raider defense, ran for 135 and two touchdowns. Purdy, 302 and two touchdowns. Um, he looked – he looked – like I would have expected Brock Purdy to look. Alan Bowman uh, did not look good for Tech. I don't know what's going on with Tech. They're, they're a team that's in, I'm not going to say disarray, but they're not the team that I thought they were uh, coming in coming into the season on offense. Um, but, uh, th- I mean, those are my thoughts there from Ames. Uh, what did you think about the BYU kind of scraping through and beating Texas San Antonio? Um, you know, that was a little bit of a shock. Um, I really thought BYU really – hammer San Antonio and that's not just and that's, and that's not look ahead to Houston yeah maybe a little bit um and you got to give the Roadrunners a ton of credit I mean that was I mean they fought through that whole thing um you know and it was one of those I mean it was it was it, it, BYU went up 21-6 um right towards the end of the third quarter and I thought okay here comes that onslaught here it comes this is where you kind of see the physicality mm-hmm. of BYU take over but it didn't, didn't San Antonio comes out they get get a touchdown fairly quickly into the fourth. 
21-13, and that's kind of where it hung the rest of the day, and it just it had that feel of a game that could just – like BYU was going to teeter away. Like it was just going to find a way to fall away from them. Um, but they get the – I'm, I'm glad, I'm it, glad didn't, it didn't. I'm, I'm glad, glad it didn't either. On, they ended up touchdown with like just over two minutes left in the fourth to really kind of push that thing away. Um, did Texas San Antonio get a late touchdown to keep? Yeah, they did. Seven? They got a big 34 yarder there. Oh, it was like a minute 15 to go to to bring it back uh, within within seven. But um, you know BYU, they fought hard, um, and so, so did so did San Antonio. I think if you're BYU. Uh, this is actually a good one for you to be in a game where you kind of had to yeah. fight it and find a way um, for that. So yeah, and, that was Wilson was still Wilson was still on point and efficient too. Which hey, that kid that kid's phenomenal. Um, CJ, like you said, a big win for them to to kind of find a way to get one done. And then they got Houston Friday, which is going to be an electric show for sure. Um, they're down in Houston for BYU. To, to kind of prove their medal, I think, a little bit, even though Houston's only played one game. Um, a four-o'clocker, man, that <laughs> the ending has gotten a lot of uh, tension, and that was the Hawks. My lone pick that I got wrong this week in our draft there, um, shocked by how good they've been the, for, through the first three weeks of the season, and maybe a team I'm not fading as much here down the line in the future. Um, Auburn had to survive to beat Arkansas. So, I mean – I didn't, get to, I didn't get to watch as much of this. Felipe Franks, I know, looked pretty good and has been a, a kind of a, a big cog in how Arkansas has improved so much this year. Um, but, I mean, what, what were your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, this is one um, – maybe Auburn's not quite what we think they are. Um, They're struggling up front on both sides yeah. of the ball, and I think that's why I'm so surprised they did so well against Kentucky week one. They, it's like they were ready for that one. And ever since then, they're, they're both lines of scrimmages have just not been as sharp at all. Yeah, no, that one was definitely kind of a kind of a shocker. Uh, you got to give Arkansas, you know, a ton of credit. They fought and they fought and they fought. Um, this thing was was tight, um, kind of throughout. So, you know, you look at Arkansas. Um, I, I know some of the Arkansas people are going to be complaining over the. <coughs> Either spike or, or fumble, uh, probably be, I guess fumble gate, but it, it wasn't egregious. Um, I understand why they didn't call it. I mean, it was still in a spike type motion, although it was backwards. A lot of questions about that. Although, like you like you talked to me earlier about today, though, you know Auburn Auburn had the chance, missed the field goal before Arkansas ran three plays, didn't do anything, had to punt it back. That's why you're in that situation. If you get a first down there, game's over and you win. So, I mean, you can't get too – I'm going to say this, you just can't get too down if you're Arkansas. You're making improvements. You're getting better. I'll say this, CJ. I think they're in trouble this weekend, though, because I think Ole Miss is going to be ready to put some points on the board against the Hogs. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. There's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, you know, talk a little bit about Auburn. I have questions about their defense moving forward. Wasn't great. And then also you got to think about, too, Knicks doesn't have that trio wide receivers. They're a little banged up right now. Maybe that allowed um, Arkansas to hang around a little bit more in that game. But speaking about two defenses we're not concerned about, and that's the battle for the purple, TCU-Kansas State. You saw a game there that you kind of expected to see, two teams kind of mucking it up, getting ugly with it. Um, but, but in the end – ends up being the backup quarterback play for Kansas State doesn't hurt them. They just 
kind of do what they do and kind of make the game an interesting um, or maybe better, better like the term, uninteresting football game. They're willing to, to grind it out. Um, CJ, obviously, you know, the, the injury not having Skylar Thompson was a big factor for them. But what, what did you kind of uh, feel coming into that game? I mean, pretty impressive for a team to win a football game in this day and age, only only getting 289 yards. That's all the Purple Cats got in that win versus TCU. Had some injuries as well. Yeah, you know, um, it, it wasn't a pretty game for K-State TCU, um, but I think that's exactly kind of what both teams want in that regard is um, to rely heavily on their defense, um, run the football, so you're not always going to end up with a with a ton of yards. I mean, TCU only had a little over 300. I think it was like three, 380. I was trying to pull that up here. Uh, kind of real quick, uh, 342 out of 289. So that's a, kind of exactly what both teams are wanting. Um, both teams with over 170 in, in rush yards. Um, both had over 35 attempts, 38 for Kansas State, 37 for TCU. Um, it's fairly clean, uh, four penalties for K-State, uh, five for TCU. Um, really clean turnover-wise, one for each team. Um so that, that's what those teams want to do. They want to battle it out, grind it out. So I felt like that, that game kind of played out kind of really how I thought it would um, with, with both teams being very heavy run, conservative offensively, um, and relying on their defenses. Um, you know, give Kansas State a ton of credit. Um, they, have, they have found a way to not let this Oklahoma win um, get too big for them and, and trip them up as they go sh- uh, down the stretch, they get the big win against Texas Tech. Now against uh, K State, get a week off to get ready uh, for a rivalry game with Kansas, um, who's going to go into that thing 0 and 4 um, after their trip to Morgantown this weekend. Um, so, but no, very, very impressed with the way K State played. I was impressed with TCU um, defensively. They really bowed up and played well. Um, you know, kind of, kind of seeing Gary Patterson get back to his formula, which is you know, be very run heavy and dominant um, in the trenches and defensively to, to make plays and to fly around. So, no, um, that game kind of played out maybe the way I thought it would. Um, and, you know, it, it was not a typical Big Ten game because you expect big points. But um, if you're a fan of, of good football, um, that one was a, was a really good, clean game, ugly at times, um, but played out pretty much, I think, how you, how you thought it would. Yeah, CJ, I think you're right in saying fairly clean football game. It really was. When you look at the penalties and you see that lack of penalties, teams are starting to clean it up a little bit. In K-State and TCU, you know, both teams that you expect that. We expect that in the Battle of the Purple, right? In the end, though, I think ends up being the big pick six for for K-State that kind of was the big play that won the football game without question. Um, I have questions about both these teams, though, moving forward. I mean, 4.1 4.1 per rush given up by Kansas State, 5.1 for TCU. TCU only averaged, or King State only averaged 4.4 yards per pass completion. Um, so they're going to have to be better than that. Now, granted, no Skylar uh, Thompson for the rest of the year for, for the Purple Cats, and that's going to be a huge disadvantage for them coming down the stretch. They, uh, But they found ways, and they keep finding ways. They're 3-0 in this league. Like you said, give them a ton of credit for not allowing the huge win over Oklahoma to, to kind of permeate over them because they've won two straight now, big, big, big 12 wins over Texas Tech. And now a big win over TCU. 
and that's coming off of losing your opening weekend to Arkansas State, and you could have had an old, you know, all woe is us and, and never shown back up. <clears throat> and, CJ, it's funny you say that because, you know, funny you said about <clears throat> might as well be a Big Ten game because Big 12 defenses are showing up now, man. It's not – it's – you could kind of see that it's going to be a factor the rest of the year. There's some good defenses in this league, and, um, you know, despite the fact that they both these teams gave up close to five yards a carry, which I think is going to be – something that they both want to improve upon moving forward, especially, you know, TCU considering Kansas State had the struggles they had in the past game. Um, but a great, great football game defensively. Both teams grinded out a game that, you know, like you said, more Big Ten than, than typical Big 12. But a, a game where, where defenses um, didn't necessarily come to play, and that was Miami's there against Clemson, uh, CJ. And I know you were kind of all over that one on Saturday night, uh, you know, kind of kind of give me your thoughts on that big game day showdown there between the Canes and the, and the Tigers. Uh, do we kind of – are we kind of fearing now that Miami might not be as for real as people thought they were? Um, a game where Miami probably trying to prove uh, that their swagger was for real um, in the end proved, no, Clemson's still the class, maybe not only of the ACC but of, of the country. Um, got a big block field goal and a scoop and score um, to – give themselves some momentum, never capitalized on that coming out of halftime. Uh, ETN gets a big run in the mid-third quarter um, to put them up 28-10. to A um, couple of possessions later, um, Trevor Lawrence takes a huge shot in the midsection. Uh, kid gets hit with a targeting call. A uh, couple of plays later, uh, Trevor Lawrence keeps it, puts it in the end zone. That puts him up 35-10. And from that point out, I mean, it was completely Clemson's game. Um, a ton of just absolute domination by Clemson, I think, on both sides of the ball. Um, they slowed Miami's offense down. They got whatever they wanted against Miami's defense. Um, you know, Miami's not quite ready to challenge for that upper echelon in the ACC yet. This kind of proved that um, that they haven't gotten there yet. Um, and the interesting thing for me is Clemson didn't wear the purple. I know we had said, you know, they might wear it. Um, didn't for this game. That's usually the big game to bring your own guts uh, to quote Dabo game, and they didn't, which to me doesn't show a lack of respect for Miami, but more of an understanding of where they are as a program. Um, that that's not <clears throat> something they got to bust out right yet. Um, Clemson's still the class of this conference. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, I know that there's some teams out there trying to make that step. Uh, Miami's trying to get there, but they're not there yet. Um, they still got some some work to do to get to there, but no, that was a that was a game that I walked away very very impressed with Clemson. Um, felt like that could have been one maybe they weren't necessarily up for, maybe not a you know ton of respect for Miami, um, but that was that was a complete clinic um, by Clemson. Of course, now I know you, I know you were not watching that one. You were probably tuned into watching the the thundering herd EKU, right? Yeah, CJ, you are absolutely right, buddy. I was all over the herd in that moonshine throwdown game with West Kentucky. One quick thing on uh, Clemson, though, before before I before I get all into Marshall here. Pretty impressive little spurt there. Etienne popping around the edge, kind of rainy conditions, just kind of having the – you said didn't bring your own guts. They didn't need the purple, but they did what they had to do. And then Lawrence kind of smack-talking the uh, Miami guy after he got the touchdown. I thought that was real, really pretty interesting. So CJ two plays in, Marshall's already up uh, seven nothing. Knox with a forty-five yard touchdown run, and they had a nice little thirty-one yard little bootleg pass that Wells threw. It kind of was like 
indicative of how his night was, just right on the point, making the great throw, and it was efficient as could be. Marshall just was like that all night. Had a had a punt the next the next series offensively after making them punt. Then West Kentucky had a nice little drive going. I got to about midfield and then got 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 the kibosh put on it, stopped it out, and uh, Marshall forced the punt. They don't do anything. Boom. Next possession is when you get the fumble. Marshall converts off of that on a short field. They're up 14 nothing. Continuing to kind of be in that same same realm there in the second in the second quarter at this point, you know it's 14 nothing. Marshall's holding them down, not allowing anything to happen offensively for WKU. I mean they've had they have two three and outs, then they get one first down. Uh, but Marshall's kind of struggling too on offense there. Those those couple possessions in the second quarter, then they get you know a nice little a nice little drive there. Um, in which he hits Brock Thompson for the big 40-yard pass play uh, when they started at the 45. So they were able to kind of continue to build that field position more, and they were doing a good job of that. But he hits he hits Thompson with a big pass play. It was a great catch by him. And then Sheldon Evans and uh, Brendan Knox kind of won to it, and, and Knox gets the touchdown. He ended up having three on the day. Then you have the fumble there uh, when Pig Marone fumbles it and Beckett picks up his second, will be second fumble of the night. They got the ball at about the, you know, 37-ish, 35-yard line there for WKU. And Marshall kind of wasted no time um, in terms of trying to go up top. They tried to go up top for two touchdown passes, didn't get either one of them. They run it for nine. Love the fact that on a fourth and one at your opponent's 28-yard line, granted you don't have a great field goal kicking game, at this point in time, you say, you know what, roll your sleeves up, sweetheart, let's go for it. Knox gets the yard, and then you're able to, to get the big pass play. Another one to Thompson sets you up nicely for the touchdown right there at the end of the half. Even though you had the false start, which made you think, okay, man, they might have to settle for the field goal. Didn't happen. Knox ran around the edge, 28 nothing, and this thing was kind of all but done at that point in time. <laughs> Then in the start in the second half, you have a punt-punt situation. West Kentucky's got the ball back, down 28-0. You know, they're, they're trying to make something happen. And then one of the one of the more hilarious plays of the weekend, they missed the mesh point on a fumble. Tarante Beckett picks up his third recovery of the ball game. It's 35-0. He literally just lay on the ground, scoops it up and in. It was uh, a thing of beauty. And then the herd... Just kind of at that point, took the foot off the gas, kind of sat on it a little bit. Western got one nice play at the end of the third quarter. And then got the real late tackle and touchdown there. Um, a lot of their yards and stuff were also after the game was kind of out of out of doubt. Uh, Marshall ran for 181 on the day. Only 4.4 per carry. Not great, but won the turnover battle 3-0. And only allowed 85 yards rushing on 25 carries. And... 209 through the year, so it was a solid all-around game for the Herd. They looked great. The rest of the country was watching La Tech struggle to beat UTEP. 210 to 266 in terms of total yards. La Tech was outgained by the Miners. They only ran it for 91 on UTEP's defense. Threw it for 119. They actually won the turnover battle 2-0, and that's probably why they won the football game. Without that, uh, they might have taken one on the chin there to UTEP. The rest of the country was watching that if they were not watching Clemson. 
or uh, Old Miss Bama, which most people were watching probably. If you were a CUSA guy, though, in prime time, that's what you had to watch. And then Charlotte hung up half a hundred uh, on North Texas, and what was an interesting game. And Chris Reynolds is going to be a quarterback to watch there for the rest the rest of the year. So good for Charlotte getting a little recognition. Disappointed that the uh, the La Tech bunch was on there on TV again, and the rest of the conference didn't get to the rest of the nation didn't get to see the herd kind of putting up the dominant performance they did on WKU. But uh, until next time, guys, we really enjoyed having you on the porch. Uh, CJ had the heart out there, so I, he didn't get to listen to the, the Conference USA conversation. He knows that bottle of Woodford's coming, though, when the herd uh, wins the conference there here sometime in, in, in middle December. Until next time, thanks for joining us, y'all, and y'all take it easy.